Hello and welcome to another episode of Thought Architecture. I'm your host, Justin Nope, here once again. Um, so, we come full circle. Uh, this particular audio is going to be on the uh, a few different states of mind and a few different ways that you can, uh, you can uh, access this particular model and place it into your life. Okay. So, a lot of this research comes out of or shall I say a lot of these models and these particular frames for understanding come out of a lot of the research that I've read that comes together with like, okay, well, how does the brain work? What are good ways to access this? Now, this particular model, I've noticed it once or twice and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then after that, started applying it and started seeing some great results. Okay. So it comes out of this very simple idea of, you know, developing a little bit more lopsidedly, as in, you know, you grow, you develop, and as a response to your stimulus, your environment, the skills that you repeat, you develop certain muscles and you don't develop other muscles, okay? And so there's a lopsided nature or lopsided quality that we need to address within almost everything, within, you know, your emotionality, your social abilities, as well as your physicality, uh, your palate, you know, whatever it is, there's a lopsidedness. And I'd like to talk more about that lopsidedness when I talk about uh, cycling versus moderation. And that's a, a much later um, audio to come. Okay. Um, but a very simple point is the idea that this lopsided nature means that um, we develop a lopsided, a lopsided cognition. Okay. So what exactly is this? And so framing it in this one particular way, it's this idea of identifying your own context, um, knowing that there's the, you know, that there's two nervous systems, one which is um, really that fight or flight response, stress response, I'm in trouble type of response versus I can chill the rest, relax the pause, pause and plan kind of ideas. Okay. So if you imagine that you're basically cranking up or cranking down particular switches, so it's not just that the fight or flight turns up, um, you know, all of your go, go, go things. It also turns off um, all of your systems that have to do with uh, what happens when you relax. You know, certain things are sacrificed, for example, food, which explains the reason why you want to vomit. If you've just sprinted 100 meters and you've got a ton of adrenaline in your body, your body will just hurl that up because you're in this place where the body needs a ton of energy. It doesn't know where it, when it's going to stop. And it's dumping the wasteful things. So, you know, digestion being something that you'll do when you're resting, relaxing. So we establish a, a survival versus thriving um, tone right in the beginning, biologically. Now, the thing is, is if we take it to the extreme ends of this, I mean, remember, this is your body. So this is a very uh, limited, finite system. We can see where the edges are to this particular system as well. So if this is the case, then what we're going to do is we're going to take, um, you know, the ends of the spectrums and we're going to create the extremes of each one. So like, you know, with regard to the survival end of the spectrum, there is a ton of physical stresses. You're being chased by zombies, for example, um, versus the other end of the spectrum, which is like you're incredibly relaxed. You're absolutely doing nothing. You know, you've, you've just, you're just zenned out on a beach for a ton of time. Now, while the second might actually sound like something that you're very interested in, 
for anyone who's been there, you know that after a couple days, maybe a week of chilling on the beach and doing absolutely nothing for all that time, you start to feel like, uh, I wish there was something more. Maybe there's something I could do. Maybe there was something else. Maybe, maybe, maybe. A lot of that is because we, we crave interaction. We crave a little bit of challenge. We crave all of these things. So once we're taken out of some state, we want to kind of like cycle back into other states. So once again, we'll talk about cycling moderation in another point. But part of this is that none of us really live at these extreme ends of survival versus thriving. We kind of exist somewhere in the middle. And so what that does is it creates like a, a slight level of chronic stress that just kind of permeates our entire life. We'll live in these states where our body biologically can extremely go nervous at, a, at the drop of a hat more than the other side it'll it'll go more towards your survival side as a cautionary measure than the thrive side because your body isn't designed to keep you happy healthy your body is designed to keep you absolutely 100% alive and so you're going to adapt to whatever keeps you alive so the very simple point is that we have to do our own work to be able to bring up the thrive kind of mentality the thrive muscles the and rebalance reharmonize the body and kind of like take care of that lopsided development so our goal is really to understand why we go into survival places to notice where we go into survival places and then to be able to bring ourselves out of survival places as well to understand what takes us into thriving what we can do to engineer more thriving scenarios and by doing that, we start identifying um, the true nature of certain challenges in our lives as well. So it sounds pretty woo-woo right now, and I acknowledge that. I understand. We'll get into the, the weeds and into some specific examples. So in this case, okay, let's say you have an extreme um, binary switch with regard to stress. Uh, someone texts you something from work and you automatically go to this place where this person is being malicious, okay? That is part of a survival stress mechanic where you start to see issues around you because people are out to get you and your body's trying to help you survive. But it's being hypervigilant. It doesn't need to do this all the time. And so you need to be able to kick in your more cognitive side and tell the automatic reactionary kind of part of your brain, to chill out okay so we literally have a, a piece of our, our um, prefrontal cortex in the executive function of the um, sorry the executive functioning network to inhibit to stop ourselves when we need to stop to bite our tongue if we need to or just to hold ourselves back and allow momentary knee-jerk reactions to pass and so you know take ownership control of ourselves so if this is the case okay then it means that we understand you know better and better what triggers us what is our what are our survival responses and start beginning to see the true nature of oh it's not that situation it's more my body's response my 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 conditioned response to that thing is this but actually is that thing so bad no it's not and so we get into the the goal of this particular audio is to introduce the observer versus the participant okay i'll say that again the observer versus the participant now you can layer almost anything with this particular idea but it's a great idea especially if you're participating in a lot more stress let's say you're arguing with um, friends or something like that 
when you are a participant, you pretty much just see what's in front of you, okay? Because you're feeling absolutely everything. And I mean, physically, all those physical sensations, um, you know, the emotional triggers as well, it's all coming through. And this type of thinking, it tends to blind you if you're in a survival kind of state, okay? Now, in saying this as well, there is another form of, um, well, I won't say it's survival, but an extreme stress response, which is basically a detachment as well. And so, you know, depends on the context, depends on the person, know yourself. But if you're a person who gets so wound up in the moment, who gets so passionate about something that it starts to upset you, let's say, screaming at the television or something like that, you're showing all these signs and symptoms of stress, right? Number one. Number two is that it actually leaves you feeling flustered, frustrated. You don't feel good in participating with that. You are trapped in this idea of experiencing your body. You are the participant, okay? And what, what you need to do is put a bit of distance between you and whatever it is so that you can become the observer. So the observer is, is that part of us that we can separate from experiencing and we can start looking at ourselves and saying like, huh, did I really just react like that? These are two separate parts of you and you need to understand them. There's a couple of cool um, meditations for um, things that I've seen for noticing yourself doing things. And it's basically like role play the scenario as you see it in your head. Role play the scenario as you see other people telling you. Okay, assume the worst and basically take take the perspective as if you're watching that scenario on a television and that you in that scenario is a is a character on that television and you're viewing this character and you will make all your judgments and everything and be like, yeah, that guy needs to do this. He's getting too wound up or whatever the case may be. So the observer participant perspective is a great help. Because to engage the observer, what are we doing? We're turning down our emotional stimulation, our physical stimulation, okay? And we're engaging a part of ourselves that can actually take a look at everything. The participant is actually feeling more, experiencing more. So I'm sure we all know those kinds of people who need to plan absolutely everything before they even do one action. That's gonna be more the observer perspectives. Then you're gonna know people who will just look before they leap. They'll do something without thinking things through. Or they'll have a list of 20 things to do and actually not even realize that if they got to, you know, item number 19 on their list, that item number 19 would have taken care of the first 18 anyway. So it's about rebalancing out that lopsidedness and asking yourself questions like, when I am, because everybody will be more participant than anything else. When I am more caught up in the moment, what does that look like? Is that engaged in thriving? Is that engaged in play? You know, am I playing? Is that why I'm getting caught up in the moment and moderating yourself because you observe yourself when you're in those moments? And likewise, when you're in moments where you should be participating more, how can you do that? How does that look? So the observer part of things particularly lends itself more to planning and reflection and the participant is enjoying the moment which is one of the arguments against this um, present state mindfulness you know oh you should always be present in the moment because nothing else matters sure but if you don't revise a lesson that you went to that information doesn't stick so straight away just being in the moment 
well, you can't just be in several lessons. There is value in reflecting on those lessons and going back to the past and thinking about those lessons, thinking about your material and actually revising that, that material. So there is a paradox here. You could probably make the argument that, you know, when you're, when you're revising, you're in the moment of revision, you're not thinking about something else. But I would argue that the brain is far more complex than just thinking about one thing at a time. Like right now, I'm making this podcast while I'm, you know, forming my thoughts while I'm, you know, scratching my foot while I'm, you know, there's there's so much more to being in the moment. And so I do reject this initial notion as well. But the idea is diagnosing yourself. Where are you coming from? Where could you be more of an observer? Where could be you? Where could you be more of a participant in your life as well? And so coming at it from this angle, we could say like, well, I don't participate a lot with food. Let's say I don't cook a lot. I want to cook a lot. I want to enjoy cooking as well. Not I agree that cooking is good for me, but I don't like it. So whenever you get more emotional, we're talking more participant. Whenever you get more rational, logical, you become more observer. But the very simple point is that we can actually tie the two together. So for example, uh, I have something that I call the meta-emotional meta uh uh, bullseyes and I'll run you through this exercise very quickly just to demonstrate my point I want you to feel your body and I want you to think about all the emotions that you felt today so physical sensations physical feelings and emotional sensations and feelings and I want you to think about your day and on a scale of 1 to 10 how good was your day you know basing that on the physical feelings basing that on your emotions for today how good was your day? Give it a, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best day you've ever had, 1 being the worst day you've ever had. Where is it? Somewhere on that range. So I'm guessing that most of you would say something like a 6. So let's imagine that you answered 6. Today is a 6 out of 10. It's an average day. I'm not feeling particularly strong or weak um, physically. Emotionally, I'm not particularly feeling super happy, super sad. There's something in the middle. Okay, fine. A 6 out of 10. Fine. Whatever. Then that is going to be your your reading in the on the outside level you know your third circle so let's drill down let's drill a little bit in and let's get a little bit meta how do you feel about being a six out of ten and so now we're taking the observer perspective and we are feeling as an observer so we are participating with emotions as an observer well for a person to be a six out of ten that means that Tomorrow has the potential to be a seven because you can program things in. You could be you could be happy with a six out of ten because, hey, you're not a one out of ten. So there is this idea of you can define it by the negative. There is this idea that you could define it by the future. Well, it's possible today I'm feeling a little bit ill, but I'm happy. So six out of ten. But tomorrow I'm going to be feeling better because that illness is leaving me. And I'm going to make sure that I, I do something to guard my happiness. I'm going to do something nice for someone in my life add value emotionally to someone in my life so to i actually feel a seven out of ten about being a six out of ten because i can see the scope before and after today so that first measurement the six out of ten that's about today the seven out of ten that's about contextualizing it for yourself and defining whether you're on an upward trajectory or not whether a 6 out of 10 is actually fine you can be fine you're allowed to be a 6 out of 10 you don't have to be perfect every day so again letting go of judgments 
You know, don't be like, well, I'm a six out of 10 and that's terrible. And I feel three out of 10 about that because I should be better. As soon as you start using words like should, you're creating a, a way of um, making judgments because you're, you're having expectations of like, this is how life must be, is supposed to be. Why isn't life like this? Instead of taking that idealistic approach, take a more practical approach and be like, well, I'm six out of 10 today. You know what? That's okay. That's okay. And, you know, I've got food in my belly. I've got a roof over my head. I've got, you know, friends and family. I've got um, these wonderful things in my life. And I'm going to do a little bit more tomorrow to kind of like increase my physical and emotional sensations. And so I actually feel good about being a six out of 10 because it means that tomorrow I'm going to try harder to be a seven out of 10. And I'm happy about that. I'm happy that I've got all these things. So my situation is a seven out of 10. And then... And this is the, the beauty of the, the, in my opinion, the beauty of the I Ching is that you've now got a 6 out of 10, you've now got a 7 out of 10. Noticing your change from a 6 out of 10 to a 7 out of 10. How does that make you feel to notice that you are moving up in scale? And you should be feeling at least a 7 out of 10, if not an 8 out of 10, about changing from a 6 to a 7. So again, taking this observer perspective on yourself again changing and manipulating these numbers and these feelings and being like you know what i'm actually huh three layers deep i'm actually an eight out of ten out of ten i'm reflecting on my life circumstances okay i'm thinking about how do i feel right now so i'm a, being a participant then i'm reflecting on on that and the change between the two it's always an improvement and so the more that we develop our brains and our minds about it's okay to do these things it's okay to have these feelings or whatever, um, you will start to notice a trend there. Now, I will also say the reverse. If you do this exercise and you get to a point where you're like, well, today I'm a 5 out of 10. How do I feel about that? Actually, I hate being a 5 out of 10. So I actually feel bad that I've got a 5 out of 10 today. So my feelings about being a 5 are a 4 out of 10. And how do we feel about that change? Oh, man, I've just slid down. I've just slid backwards. I feel a 3 out of 10 today. That's terrible. So I went 5, 4, 3. If you're thinking like this, you it's much easier to change that around than your initial reading. So if you're a 5 out of 10, it's much easier to change a 5 out of 10 into a 6 out of 10 than to change a 5 out of 10 um, physically feeling a 5 out of 10 and trying to improve that physical feeling. And that's what a lot of people do when they escape. They search out good feelings by, um, you know, going and doing some kind of um, food consumption to make them feel better, you know, alcohol consumption, you know, uh, drugs, sex, exercise, whatever, uh, escaping into a feel good, you know, it is their drug. And a lot of people feel uh, positive and accomplished by working more as well. And so identifying that and then saying, you know what, that's okay. I'm a 5 out of 10 today. That's okay. I feel good about that. So that's a 6 out of 10 feeling. Ooh, how do you feel about changing from a 5 to a 6? Well, I feel a 7. Great. If you are somewhere stuck with your emotional perspectives, your ob observer side, and you keep going into the negatives, you know, reach out. Reach out to someone, not necessarily me. Reach out to a counselor. Reach out to a therapist, reach out to a professional, reach out to a friend or family member that you're happy to talk to because there is something in your thought process that can change, not that should change. Please remember that thought architecture 
the primary goal is to say everyone is okay you know but do you want more and the answer most certainly if you're listening to this is yes cool that's a place to start because you're probably in a pattern you're caught in a cycle that you can actually break it's possible you know believe me it's possible and all you got to do is keep trying to change that and you will right so in this episode we went through this survival versus thrival mech uh thrival survive versus thrive mechanism in the body in the physical body and actually that's part of the brain as well um, and then how we can use the observer participant perspective on ourselves um, and one example of that would going to be the meta emotional scale and checking in with yourself so if i may share today how do i feel today well physically uh, i need to work out i feel flabby and lazy uh, emotionally it's just been a day full of work it's been okay nothing nothing serious i'm a little bit tired so i'd say physically and emotionally probably you know what i am probably a six out of ten but how do i feel about that well i'm excited because i'm gonna go work out now so already i'm i'm, I'm a little bit more positive i had some cuddles today with the dogs um, I'm going to go, you know, now that I realize I'm a six out of 10 emotionally, I'm going to go spend some time with my loved ones, my puppies, my wife, that's going to bring it up as well. And I always feel fine about being a six out of 10. I'm like, no problem because actually life is pretty good. I think about everything that has happened to me in the past that can happen to me in the future, everything I'm working towards. And I feel great about that. So I actually feel an eight out of 10 when I consider my context. So it's taking a bigger, broader perspective on that second layer. Now I look at it and I've, I've changed from a 6 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10. And that puts me at like a 9 or a 10 out of 10 where I'm just like, this is awesome. This is awesome. You know, it's fantastic to see the difference between the two. And I'm very proud of myself for cultivating this type of mindset. I'm very happy with myself for doing this. And, you know, I can't wait to, to help other people and add value to their lives in these ways as well. So very simply put, like if you ask me on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing today? My answer would be nine out of 10. Today's a nine out of 10, it's great, it's fantastic. And it's because I'm not thinking about today, I'm contextualizing today in a grander scheme as well. And as soon as you start opening it up to that grander scheme, you feel better. And then I'm looking at the difference between what I, what I ranked today as and what that grander scheme would be. So this is just one idea. Um, please allow me uh, to give you more examples when we talk about uh, learning, which is coming, and the observer-participant aspect within learning is very important, very important for uh, planning, preparing, understanding, exploring a topic, and then for reflection on your own performance as well. So. Um, then you need to practice the performance as well in whatever it is that you're trying to learn. So you, be, you engage that participant side as well. So we've got observer and participant in learning to come to. All right, that's all I've got for you today. The survive thrive mechanism, the observer participant model. I hope that gives you some, some good understanding and apply that to different things. And remember, it's not binary. There isn't a on off switch but rather rem remember the lighting board dials and we're turning up and turning down certain dials okay so remember that you know at this moment in time i would probably say oh please leave a five star comment or something like that on itunes or wherever you're listening to this 
but rather what I'd rather say to you is if this sounded like something very interesting for you, something that you would like to have more of a conversation about, send this audio podcast uh, webpage link, whatever it is, uh, to a friend. Let them consume it. Uh, have a discussion around it together. How Have a discussion around um, these points about surviving, thriving, how stressed are you versus how uh, how much you you are connected with yourself and enjoying life um, how much you take a participant role in your lives in different cases and things like this have a discussion around it the main point is about connecting a little bit more because when we're in alignment with this type of thing we tend to thrive a lot more connect with people who matter to you have conversations share information share conversations that matter to you I'm Justin and this has been Thought Architecture. Have a wonderful day.